Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. This is episode 58 and it's another one of our culturing creativity episodes and today we're going to be talking about how technology can help us inspire uh, creativity. So like most of these short episodes we are going to jump right in and probably just start with a definition of technology that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah so we realized that technology is actually a very very broad subject and so even though I feel like most people know what technology is I thought it would be helpful to have some definitions and so we understand what we're talking about on this podcast as well so we can narrow it down just slightly <laughs> yep um so from Merriam-Webster's online dictionary our favorite dictionary yes <laughs> just point that out again so it's got a couple of definitions. So number one is the use of science in industry, engineering, etc., to invent useful things or solve problems is one definition of technology. And then number two was a machine, piece of equipment, method, etc., that is created by technology. So those are the two kind of definitions, broadly speaking, of technology. So technology as in the innovation side of it, like making things or technology as in the device that you might be using. And then I kind of went a bit further because if you take those definitions, you realize when you're speaking about technology that you can go basically all the way back to the beginning of time because every tool becomes a piece of technology. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we do a whole episode <laughs> about the pen. Yeah. So I got a definition of modern technology from a site called techquintal.com. I think I'm saying that right. Um, it did. <laughs> Obviously, I can't say how correct this site is because I just sort of briefly looked on the internet, but it did have, I think, quite a good definition of modern technology. And it said, modern technology is the advancement of old technology with new additions and modifications and is all about doing things in a much quicker, efficient way by improving the workflow. So that's mainly what we're talking about. That seems like a good definition. Yeah, <laughs> it's modern technology. Yeah, so I think if we go straight on into it. Now that we're all, all on the same page with what type of technology we're talking about. Yeah, so I started researching this a little bit because I didn't entirely know what direction we wanted to take with this discussion as Sarah kind of alluded to it's quite broad technology and creativity can go a lot of ways and I found a really interesting article which was called or entitled creativity in a world of technology does it exist and I thought that was a really good place uh, for us to jump off and start this discussion so do we think you know, creativity exists with so much, I guess, modern technology around us. So Sarah, what do you think? I think it definitely does, especially when you think about the fact that if it weren't for creativity, we wouldn't have any type of technology, modern <laughs> or otherwise. 
And to further advance technology, creativity is a key aspect. So they kind of go hand in hand with one another. And I think that also likewise, technology can enhance creativity. But I think it's also more about the way that we use technology, which either broadens or limits our creativity. So that's kind of my view on it in a nutshell. I definitely agree as well. I wrote down that the fact that people still create things is proof that it still exists. It's very like base level observation. So definitely creativity is still around while breathing. We've got some really great, I think about a lot of the TV shows that have come out recently, great content. Um, So definitely there's creatives out there. I do understand, I think, where the article was coming from, though. We've talked about briefly before how a lot of creativity comes from like your experiences and I know this article touched on the fact that because we can do stuff so quickly and do so much online people are losing touch with some offline activities where a lot of experiences and I guess ideas come from so I can kind of see it a little bit from that perspective but on the flip side there's so many tools and the fact that there's so much information out there means that you should also be able to enhance your creativity. So I guess there's kind of two sides to it in a way, but it shouldn't stop you from being creative. That doesn't, yeah. Yeah. That sort of brings us to the next point, which was specifically how we think that technology can enhance both imagination and creativity. And I guess, especially from a writing perspective, because that's, you know, what we're talking about mostly. Did you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. Again, I did struggle to know where to start with this question (laughs) because it does encompass so much. But, you know, I'll touch on the things that I find affect me most. So there definitely is an advantage to having technology available for doing research and having it at your fingertips. Not only knowing what things look like through Google searching images, but also understanding how things work because as we all know, like the advice from a long time has been to write what you know, but because of technology, we are actually able to know quite a bit, even about things that we may not previously have known. We can then broaden our knowledge base before writing and go a different path rather than sticking directly to our own experiences. So I think that broadens creativity a huge amount and I can think of like so many different things that would be impossible for us without the use of technology or that would at least make it a billion times harder (laughs) (laughs) with our ancient Greece book we really rely on finding articles and researching different places to be able to give an authentic feel I mean I know Ashley's been to Greece before but I have never been to Greece and obviously we can't go back in time to ancient Greece so (laughs) and we can't really well I can't go to Greece right now no (laughs) it's like right now travel's a bit difficult as well so kind of limited you know I mean it's not like you couldn't this is why I, I thought it was useful to define technology because obviously there still is technology in the like if you look further in the past but 
before, say, the computer came around and the internet, you could still do research. You can go to libraries and find books or you can find articles. Encyclopedias. And newspapers. and encyclopedias. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of stuff. You can still do research, but your research is much more limited than what it is today, I think. So that's definitely one thing. But then also things like editing would be ridiculously tricky. It's not like I've never taken a red pen to anything, but I think it's definitely so much easier to edit and see what needs editing when you can simply press the delete button and reword something rather than like have all these crossed out lines everywhere and these comments (laughs) like going in the margins of pages and stuff like that. Like that to me, I don't know how we used to manage it in school. We did. No. don't understand we have, how. We have whole folders of handwritten books and I look at them and I, I just am like, for what they are, they're pretty error-free. <laughs> it's incredible well, because I can't even do that now. Error-free as in like spelling maybe, but yeah, if we were to try it, because we never, we never actually edited the draft versions of those handwritten no. books. So I imagine trying to edit a book on paper that would just drive me insane. <laughs> well, even it, it looks like when I look at it, we've barely even reworded things. It's like what went down stayed down, which is incredible because right at the moment, that's so not how I write at all. I'll like write two sentences and then like end up separating them, you know, by like a massive paragraph and then split the paragraph and, you know, rearrange it. So <laughs> I had tried that back then. It's like one take, one chapter. That's really interesting when you think about it. So, you know, clearly you've got on one side, the technology is helping us to create, but then on the other side, you've also got this, maybe it's making us like the way that we work, we're now used to being able to delete stuff and reword it and move things around that we don't formulate our writing quite the same, if that makes sense. possible. It's possible. So that's kind of interesting. But I did have like one more thing. Outside of writing, much of the entertainment industry uses technology. Um, And I wanted to say, you know, for example, I listen to music with the aid of technology and I get a lot of inspiration from that. And sure, before playback devices were invented, it didn't stop people from seeing concerts and the like. But there's no denying that technology makes a lot of entertainment forms available to us on more of an everyday basis. And I think at its roots, technology becomes an important and pivotal method to publishing and distributing different forms of entertainment. So whether it be movies, music, books, audiobooks, podcasts, or the radio, for the entertainment industry and therefore a large part of the creative industry, technology is a vehicle to get the media to the audience. And yeah, so that was kind of my thoughts. They all seem, well, very logical deductions about what technology is, and I definitely agree with all of them. And one of the main ones that I had put down as well was also... Not really research. I just said the amount of information that's readily available to us, whether that be for research or for just getting inspiration. 
I was thinking back when I was having, you know, trying to decide uh, what am I going to put for this section. I was thinking about when we were trying to research some of the locations and some of the places in our YA books quite a while ago. I remember sitting at the library trying to find pictures of certain places and they didn't really have it, to be honest. Like it was hard going trying to find out what this particular city looked like or that particular landmark when you couldn't go there you'd get like a it would all be words like not really any pictures so it's very difficult I also remember us trying to research like types of tanks and things which was also really difficult back then we're talking the days of ask Jeeves (laughs) not really google yet (laughs) that was tricky and well I think about how easy it is now we can just you know just go onto whatever website you've got a list of like every tank that's ever been made and you're like oh that one <laughs> yep. or you know you can just look and be like oh so that's what this thing looks like oh here's a map of this place cool yes but I, the other side of having all of that information is I think really good for helping generate ideas because a lot of the ideas that I have come from things that you've read or heard or you know interesting events that you've come across and when you have so much more information so readily available to you I think it's so much easier to come up with particular ideas like you can look at when I've done this before um, you can like look at old newspapers just at your house on your computer if you wanted to and then we've got podcasts which provides like I love podcasts so really interesting deep dives into whatever topics you're interested in as well which is a lot more because you can like listen to it on the bus. You don't have to like Google the history of like the Battle of Verdun. You can just like listen to like six hours about the Battle of Verdun and you're like, wow, how exciting. Yes. Um, and it does become so much more convenient too. Yeah, convenient. And yeah, which I think is a good place for generating ideas and getting great research for your, your novels. My second point that I was going to bring up, because like Sarah said, there's so many aspects to it. I've got to limit limit myself. So I thought the second point I'd bring up is the ease of connectivity you have with other like-minded people now. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, easier now to find writing groups. And, you know, it's been locked down for us for over 100 days now. And our writing critique group could still go ahead, actually went ahead a lot more frequently because we had nothing to do. But we were still able to have that interaction you know you can give each other real-time feedback when you've got your collaborative documents that people can look at yeah um we're able to find like-minded people on instagram and on facebook through our you know our Linderson creations which is really cool um which means you can have make you know really good connections that you would have it would have been a lot more difficult before and even like 10 years ago maybe a bit more as well I think about how like when we used to go to the old writers group meeting in Tauranga how it was like a monthly meeting and if you didn't go to the monthly meeting that was sort of it yeah <laughs> if that makes any you sense missed out that month. you missed out exactly yeah so I think that's a really big big part of technology as well just the ease with which you can connect uh, with other people which also, you know, helps you get motivation, generate new ideas um, and learn a lot more as well, which can help you better your writing or just making friends. So that's my two points. Definitely. I would also agree with everything that you've said as well. Helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does help a lot. It's yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I thought we could kind of go a little bit more in detail about some like specific programs or specific mediums that we have identified that help us 
enhance our creativity I guess from a writing perspective because otherwise it could go on forever yeah so for me I think mainly of the software that I use um, when we're talking about specific programs or mediums and how impossible it would be to publish without it I mean give me a pen and I could write but there's no way I could produce a book with without the use of technology so we use Microsoft Word to do all our writing and though I know some people hate the, that program, it does seem to work for us. And I do the interior design formatting using Scrivener, as you might have heard me say before. It's not perfect, but we've managed to create a very professional looking book with it. My only complaint was the compatibility with Ingram Spark. I had to download a trial version of Adobe Acrobat Pro to convert our PDF file to grayscale as it still had the CMYK color profiles embedded in the file, even though the interior was black and white anyway, if that makes sense. It was just kind of embedded in the background of the, the file. And so there was no way to change that using Scrivener. But, you know, like you kind of work around stuff like that and you can eventually find something that works so that you can publish your book. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say compatibility is like the, one of the banes of my existence. <laughs> compatibility, yes. Because you're always like, ah, oh, it's like in this format. I need it in like this file format. And I like can't open it on this computer with like this file format. I need to like go <laughs> and convert it. And then you're like, oh, but I need to like download a program to convert the file into like this other format so then I can open it and then you're like oh do I download a program is there an online convert I feel like that's me all the time the the drawbacks of technology (laughs) yeah for sure but yeah you know like (laughs) that's pretty common kind of thing but yeah Ingram Spark they like the use of InDesign which is an Adobe product so obviously they make it difficult for you to use any other products. I, they must have like something going on with Adobe. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you basically cannot use any other products except for Adobe products to get your file right. <laughs> Interesting. That's what I've discovered. But, you know, you can work around it. <laughs> you can get there. But anyways, and, you know, the internet for sure, which use in a hundred different ways for researching and editing. Uh, One thing that I was going to mention that we've found very helpful with co-writing is that we use the same online dictionary as we mentioned previously, (laughs) Merriam-Webster to check spelling, word meanings, and even things like hyphenation. Um, If there's ever an argument about whether a word should be hyphenated or not, we look it up and nine times out of 10, it will give us the answer. So that's such a good dictionary. (laughs) Well, you know, it's an American dictionary. So if you're a UK uh, user, something like the Cambridge Online Dictionary might be more useful to you. But we decided early on, we were like, well, we have to choose, are we going to do UK spelling in our books or are we going to use American spelling? Especially being in Canada there's often like a crossover I find between both and so we ended up deciding to use American because you know a lot of people who buy your books are going to be American so I was like yeah let's just go with that (laughs) which is why you might be like hey 
why is this American and not English when, you know, it's, it's a book based in New Zealand and that's why we just do everything American these days. Yeah. But even though it's an American, going on the, continuing on the dictionary train, even though it's an American dictionary, it's still, it has the most accurate definitions and it includes pretty much all of the definitions it's the default one we also use for our cryptic crosswords so like often it's not even enough just to google the word like I have to do the like check the definition in Merriam-Webster because it has the most definitions for the word so we always uh, prefer to use it I do also find that even if you spell something the English way or you use like a British word it will often have it and it'll just have in like brackets, like chiefly used in Britain or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it'll like that's tell you where good. it's from. So that's quite handy, especially for me when I'm in like this confused state of New Zealand spelling versus Canadian spelling. <laughs> versus American spelling. Yeah. Canada uses some of the British spelling very occasionally. They're very Selective. Americanized though. Like, so they don't understand where it's like secateur. A lot of the the French words that have migrated to Britain, because, you know, France and Britain are so close to one another, they don't use like, you know, capsicum or courgette. Um, And for all you American listeners, secateurs is like gardening shares. Capsicums is peppers. Bell peppers, right? Yeah, bell peppers. Courgettes are uh, zucchinis. So, so there's things like that where, you know, we use in New Zealand and they use in Britain and then they don't use in Canada. Everyone looks at me like, what the heck are you going on about? But so it's, it's helpful. My favorite feature, this is still going on about the dictionary. I apologize. My favorite feature of the Merriam-Webster dictionary is it tells you that like how frequently the words are used. Like they'll be like, this is usually because it's for cryptic crosswords. Mm-hmm. This is in the bottom 1% of words used today. Or like this is an archaic word or this is an yes. old word or this is, you know, modern word. And I just like how it tells you that. And I, you know, I'm always reading it. I'm like, oh, I use this word today. It's only used like 1% of the time for like this particular thing. I've learned something. <laughs> what makes me laugh is half the time I'll look up a word I'll be like I'm sure this is the right way of spelling it or whatever and it'll be like the archaic spelling I was like well <laughs> apparently I'm still in the past <laughs> yeah. but yes <laughs> move away from the dictionary I love that dictionary I don't Dictionaries. know it's <laughs> but okay moving on you know also google maps is a giant help researching articles finding images and as I said before working out how something works and video calling each other, which we use Zoom for this. I use GarageBand for podcast editing. Our website is powered by WordPress, although we do own our own domains and use our own hosting technology. So those are kind of how we use computer type technology, I guess, is, <laughs> is broadly. <laughs> Software. Soft- there we go. We got there. The correct word. <laughs> how about you, Ashley? How do you use technology? Um, I went for sort of, I guess, also software type technologies. One of the big ones that, because our ancient Greece book has been in my mind recently. And like I said, I think in the last, one of the last podcasts, I've been doing a whole bunch of research recently about different aspects of ancient Greek life and everything. So I find databases are so useful for me 
things like Scopus, Google Scholar, JSTOR, stuff like that. Those things just weren't, it's like the encyclopedia, but you know, on steroids to the extreme. <laughs> well, yeah, because I remember when I was in like high school and stuff, like if you wanted to find out about ancient Thebes, you'd have to, like, you know, go to the encyclopedia books find which one had t-h-e in it <laughs> and then you know look through it and then eventually those moved online but it was like britannica online that was like you know like the disc you'd have to like put into your computer <laughs> and things like that so the fact now that you have a database which you can just type in the topic and you can get all sorts of articles from is so useful so useful and not having to go to physically go to the library which we still can't oh I think from yesterday we can go back to the library now but we couldn't go for obviously 100 days so it was very useful being able to use those types of resources instead of having to well being barred from the library yeah I was also gonna add podcasts to this mostly one because they're fairly new themselves as like a medium and two I guess also the information that comes from them and just the number of ideas that I've had while listening, just listening on the bus or whatever, instead of, I guess, what I've had before, an iPod, maybe an MP3 player. <laughs> it would have been back in the day. Walkman, perhaps. I wonder if I still have my Walkman. I don't know. I remember Onley used to be obsessed. She, my sister won a Walkman at a fishing competition because she caught the biggest kahawai. And she was like, she had bought the Avril Lavigne CD and it's all she listened to in her Walkman. She had one CD, Avril Lavigne, and she like played it till it died. It's funny. I used to steal all my sisters and she used to get really annoyed. I can imagine it. I was also going to mention uh, all of the collaborative work programs like Microsoft Teams or Google Docs or even things like Dropbox, which have, from a writing perspective, makes it. Sarah and I, we don't really use them to collaboratively mm. write, but we, I do use it for our critiques and everything for my writing group, which is so helpful because you can see comments in real time. We have occasionally um, used OneDrive with Word. Oh, yes, with Word, yeah. yeah, which has been, which is also useful. It's just mainly for the yeah. outlining. And yeah, stuff like yeah. That. We're coming up with character profiles. Things like that which is super useful rather than sending emails back and forth. But it also just means stuff happens. So like the work sharing is just so much faster. And for like the feedback that comes from our writing groups doing it this way, it's also just so much more useful and quicker. You know, you can get a real sense of how people are feeling about your work so quickly, just because you, know, you get emails coming through. They're like, oh, someone made a comment. Someone made a comment. Someone made a comment. You're like, mm, okay, <laughs> a lot of comments. <laughs> So I find that really, really useful. And at work, we use Teams, which is, especially for a lot of our collaborative documents, we use Teams as well. So it's quite good to be able to, you know, see what everyone's doing, kind of see how the document's shaping up without the, you know, draft five, final, final version one that you have saved and then sent around to everybody. So yeah, those are just a couple of things I thought I'd pick out and talk about. But there's so many, so many things. Yes. Lives without technology would be so very different. <laughs> yeah. We'd be still writing our books in clear files. Yeah. Although I was going to, the compatibility thing came to my mind again. And how, I'm randomly going to share this now, how 
you know, I thought I was really onto it back in like 2007 when I saved all of our old stuff to an actual like CD disc for my computer. I was like, yes, I'm onto it and I'll save the the CDs that have all my files shared to it. What a great idea. And then it turns out that the format of Word back from 2007 is no longer compatible with the Word today. So they're all in the wrong file formats. So I have to, if I ever want to read them, I have to convert them from, I think it's WPX was the old Word format. And now it's obviously DOC. So I have to find a W, I think it's WPX converter to doc and it mucks up all the formatting so it ends up like triple spaced and like size 18 (laughs) words so it comes out and the page is like 25 pages of this chapter and I have to like scroll to like read stuff it's hilarious I just remember storing them on like floppy disk originally oh I don't think I have any floppy disks but I do have the cd disks which I have kept um I still have them because in case they're important. <laughs> One of them just has written on it, Ashley's important stuff. I think we went for floppy disks at one point because the library computers, I don't think all of them were CD compatible. No, they didn't. You're right. You're right. They weren't. Forgot about that. Hilarious. I forgot about <laughs> Back that. Back in the day. That's exciting. That's funny. Our desolate, the original version, is saved on a bright purple CD. It's very exciting. <laughs> Anyways, so the last point I thought we could talk about was if there are any uh, drawbacks to the technology that we've kind of talked about so far today. Um, If you wanted to go first, Sarah. Sure. So like most people, I think the biggest problem for me is how available and how easily contactable you become when having technology. (laughs) That was one of mine as well. I really like the ability at least on my phone, to turn off read receipts on like Apple like iMessaging because I hate people knowing exactly when I've seen their message. <laughs> but, you know, even that's not foolproof because obviously they know that you've probably received it. So, so <laughs> yeah. after a while it becomes like, why hasn't she looked at it? And I delayed, I had a... <laughs> had a thing about this recently, like this weekend, where I delayed answering a friend for a day because I was just honestly too exhausted and I didn't want to be glued to my phone because this is like one of those friends who will respond back and keep responding until you stop responding. And I mean, like, I think that it's, it's lovely, but at the same time, I'm quite a slow texter so and I can't really focus on other stuff at the same time so I'll be kind of glued to my phone and then I'll get distracted and I'm trying to do other stuff and it just doesn't really work so you know it didn't respond then she contacts me again the next day saying she's worried about me (laughs) because I didn't (laughs) respond and as an introvert I find that really frustrating (laughs) because You know, I need the time to recharge and to actually be able to go about and live my life. I also think that effect is multiplied when you live overseas and your family and friends are all in a different country. Yeah. I I mean, I love the fact that they reach out and keep me included, but it's a lot of texts and calls to field. Um, Ashley can attest to how many times I've been called on these podcasts by family members. (laughs) Yes. And I'll be like, oh, sorry, I'm podcasting right now. 
can we catch up soon? And then, you know, I almost have to have like a diary of who I caught up with when so I can like be like, oh, I haven't spoken to that one on FaceTime for like two weeks. So they're going to call soon if I don't catch up to them. <laughs> like it just becomes very, um, very tricky with all the scheduling. <laughs> as sad as it sounds. I mean, I love talking to them, but you know, usually if you're within the country or like in the same city, you end up catching up with everyone kind of more all at once with your family, not like one person at a time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've got three siblings and my parents and obviously a lot of friends as well. And so it does become quite a lot. Anyways, sorry, I'll stop complaining about that. <laughs> and instead also complain about what we talked about before a little bit. Technology is great when it works and when it doesn't not so cool <laughs> yeah troubleshooting yep. issues can take a huge amount of time and we definitely ran into a bunch of problems when we were setting up our book i've said it before mm -hmm. apple's itunes connect was the worst for this <laughs> out of all the because we we ended up you know deciding to go wide with our publishing and so I use the Kobo dashboard, the Apple iTunes Connect, the Kindle KDP and Ingram. And we also used draft to digital for trying to reach a few other um, ebook places as well. And so, oh, and Google books as well. So, you know, I tried a very large amount of different setting up the books and getting it going and stuff. And Apple iTunes Connect was the worst, not in so much like setting up the book itself because they've got this thing called iTunes Producer, which you use, but in setting up your account is not easy and setting up the, the bank really account and stuff. Yeah, the agreements and the tax and on Barnes and Noble, you have to like fill out an actual tax form and then email it to them where most of the others are. Uh, most of the others has an online tax thing. So that was good with the others. And yeah, Barnes & Noble, I didn't like for that reason, but eventually went through. So it's it's interesting, like comparing the different <laughs> different yep. platforms that companies use for publishing ebooks and print. But yeah, and then what Ashley said before is there's nothing like living an experience and going to a place or catching up in person with people especially when you're talking about places, if you're planning on having your book in a particular place, there's nothing that beats going to the place to get a feel of it. Because I find that while the internet is great, there are some things which you can't get a sense of unless you've been there. And these are usually trivial things that people don't really notice and they don't really say online so much. Mm -hmm. But they add like together all these trivial things add to the overall culture of the place. So for an example, you know, I had me and my husband went traveling in China for our honeymoon and you might know from the internet that streets are busy, that it's going to be crazy and crowded and that getting on and off buses, for example, could be a bit of a squish. But you, what you don't necessarily know is that scooters zipping along on the sidewalk, which you have to be wary of, or tuk-tuks that ride in the bike lane, and things like that can really bring a story to life. So 
nothing beats going to a place fine definitely definitely thinking about that the other day for one of in one of our critique sessions um we had in our ancient greece book when he's in athens there's a lady like a a beggar kind of person comes up to him who's like holding a baby and confronts him at like i don't know 2 a.m or something and one of them was like I don't know if that's realistic. Like, I don't know. I, I haven't been to I haven't been to Greece, but I wouldn't think that these people will like come out and like harass you at 2 a.m. And I was like, it is a thing. It happened to me. It's definitely <laughs> a thing. Like, trust me. Like they're like that. And they're like, oh, okay. So I was like, well, I put it in because, you know, it was unsettling to me. And hopefully, like it's unsettling to our character as well a little bit. So yeah, that's one example that I can think of very off the top of my head. Yeah. So definitely being able to actually go places and have those experiences is it can't really be replaced just by googling it yeah I think YouTube helps for certain things if you can like find a YouTube tour of like a city or whatever sometimes you can kind of get a sense of the stuff that's going on but it's never quite as real as being there like you don't get the Mm -hmm. smells or the sort of the 360 of what's going on yeah definitely um I was gonna say also you mentioned about meeting with people as well and I had experience about that recently because I've been meeting my writing group online over zoom for like ages and ages and ages and finally a couple of us decided that we would meet in person um, in the park following the COVID guidelines and whatever and it was so much better meeting them in person like we have great chats over zoom but for some reason like being able to actually talk to them in person was a whole different thing and I did come away with you know a little bit more inspired to write I had some interesting ideas as well um, from chatting Mm -hmm. to them which I don't know I don't know why it's different it doesn't make much sense but it is different yeah it's nothing I can put my finger on I guess the one other thing I was going to mention was even though research is so great because there's so much information sometimes there's just so much information yeah it's like too much and you can't like trying to sort through that can be a challenge and overwhelming uh, especially because you find so much interesting stuff but you really then have to be selective about what you're going to include, what you're not going to include uh, was before I was just worried about finding the thing, but now you find the thing plus like 20 other things. <laughs> so that's another a small drawback. But other yeah. than, overall, I think technology is definitely helping us more than hindering us, I think. Yeah, I would agree. So we should probably wrap this up now. If you are interested, there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section. So you can just head on over to our website, lindersoncreations.com and hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you should get uh, a link to an application form where you can apply. And next time on Dear Writer, it's our author spotlight interview series. So looking forward to that. Always looking forward to that. Uh, And if you'd like to know more about us and uh, any of our writing projects, like our novel when the rain falls which should be available now both an ebook and paperback from pretty much all of the places you can go check that out or you can visit us at our website lindersoncreations.com which will also have links to when the rain falls but also links to this podcast and 
and other things of interest. Or you can contact us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindas and Creations. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. And we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>